Am I Dreaming Right Now? By some miracle and, of course, the support of all of our friends and followers, I will actually be going to the Netherlands for the International Association for the Study of Dreams conference this year. And I am so excited, but I still need your support and your donations so that I can have a successful trip and not get stuck out there and have a place to stay and all of the good stuff. So please, 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 if you have it in your heart to donate even $1, I would really, really appreciate it. And I can't wait to show you all of the amazing content that we create out there and all of the podcast episodes and awesome research that we learn about. That being said, I reached out to today's podcast guest after reading one of her books on how to become a good dream work leader. So please welcome Justina Lasley. Thank you, Amina, for inviting me to be part of your podcast. I'm Justina Lasley, founder of the Institute for Dream Studies and author of a couple of books on dreams, Wake Up to Your Dreams and Honoring Your Dream, a handbook for dream group leaders. So how did you first get interested in dreams? Well, it was in 1990. And until that point, I really didn't pay much attention to my dreams. I didn't know that dreams were important. And I just had not had the fortune of meeting somebody who told me that until Jeremy Taylor came to our church to and preached. But I was not there, but that just piqued my interest that he was actually preaching about dreams. And, and so I listened to the tape and that was it. I just, it was like I'd been waiting my whole life to hear about something that had intrigued me as a child. I was very interested in the creative part of my dreams and and really wanted to share them. But my family was more of an analytical, scientific, engineering-minded family, and they really didn't have that space or know that dreams were important either. And so I never had had an audience for sharing my dreams. And I joined a dream group at our church that our minister started. And I shared my dream and I was like, wow, that is the best look at my life. I just couldn't believe the, the truth of my life in a dream. So I just became infatuated, started working in the dream group, and then I began leading the dream group. And then I started other dream groups because other people got interested. And then because I had not majored in psychology and really didn't have the real background in psychology, I went back to get my master's in transpersonal psychology with an emphasis in dreams. One thing led to the next, and I have loved it every minute. Well, mostly every minute. (laughs) Yeah, that's wonderful. I love your work that you have done as a dream group leader. I actually found out about you through your book, Honoring the Dream, the handbook for group leaders. And it's been so helpful to me because I do a lot of, you know, dream groups and things. And I always reference the exercises you have in there about different ways to look at dream symbols and embody the dream symbols to find more meaning in them. What interests you in terms of teaching people how to become a dream group leader? What got you interested in that? Once I started seeing how my dreams were impacting my life and helping me to make important changes in my life that required a big challenge that I wasn't sure I was ready for, and my dreams were being so helpful and supportive and informative. And I just 
began to see the truth of my life in a way that I had never been able to view it and really moved toward the authentic self instead of that self that had been dictated by parental values and community school and things that sometimes didn't really feel right for me, but I didn't know anything other than that. And then my dreams started telling me who I was authentically and really giving me courage to try and do things that I had never done before and see myself in a more positive light. So I thought, wow, you know, this is when I thought I should start other dream groups and to help other people. And so I did start several, but it was as much as I could do. I had three daughters and I all the other things that I was doing. And it's like, I've I've got to help more people hear this truth of the dream. My target audience was the world. And I just wanted to get this wonderful gift that we're given to everybody and let them know about it. So I thought I'm going to have to write the Honoring the Dream book so that more people, more dream group leaders will have a resource to really support them in leading their dream groups and just having a textbook right there in their laps that, like you said, had the exercises and everything in it. So I did that. Well, I still didn't feel like I was reaching everybody that might be interested in pursuing work in the field of dreams. So I thought I should really start a program. And that's when I developed in 2005, we actually started the program in first class for the Institute for Dream Studies. And it was it was an amazing thing because I just created it out of like this nothingness and created an institute and people actually signed up and came. And it was amazing that first day where they showed up. And at that time it was in person. And even, you know, that first class, people were from all over and some in Charleston, but Atlanta and different areas. And it was amazing. And we did one year of class. And then at the end of one year, I said, you know, I don't think we're finished in this learning process. I said, would y'all like another year of the training? And they all stayed on, which I couldn't believe. And so we had a two-year program. And at the beginning, it was in person. And then we started having people from Iceland and the Netherlands and travel became so complicated. And I started doing more and more online programs. And now Linda Mastrangelo is the new director of the Institute of the, and teaching the certification program. And we have an incredible class this year. People in the class are from Israel and Guatemala and Japan and London. And we always have a small class, about less than 10 people, so that it's very individualized and personalized. And this now, you know, I just feel like all these people are going out and doing wonderful work in the world. We have several graduates from Israel, and one of them is developing a program to work with nightmares after the war started this past fall. And she's just doing incredible work of helping people through their dreams to process and just have the courage and the stamina to get through this difficult time in history. 
How do you structure your program? Do you meet weekly or how often? Well, all the work is online. Online classes several times a month. And then we have dream group work where they work together online. They form dream Mm -hmm. groups. And that is, I think now it's a, a weekly program for the dream groups. It may be every other week. And then they do their in level two and stuff, they start reaching out to the community and leading their own dream groups. But there's a lot of involvement of doing their own work. I have always felt like this was so important for anybody that's going to work in any field of psychology and certainly with dream studies that we have to do our own work first so we don't get confused when we're helping other people. We don't want to project our issues and our own experiences on others. And it's such an easy thing to do with dreams and thinking that we can interpret somebody else's dream when actually we can use their dream, but we have to accept that that's our life experiences that's coming up with those interpretations of the dream. So all of that is done in the class. There's a lot of working together with all the new platforms for education online. It's really a exciting, interactive way of learning for our students. Montague Ullman is like the basis for a lot of the dream work practices we use today. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about who he was and how you draw inspiration from his previous work? Yes. And I was fortunate to, um, you know, know him and and do some of his workshops at the International Association for the Study of Dreams Conference. But he was, he's a psychologist. He was. And he started really liking the dream as a an avenue to really diving deep into the personal consciousness and using group work to do this. He started seeing and gathering groups of people, having them share their dreams, that people got a lot out of it. Not only the dreamers sharing the dream, but the people listening to the dream. And he provided a lot of safety for that and believed that anybody in the group could not be harmed as long as we had the safety precautions in line. And he liked the idea of having a dream group leader like I do, but he gave that breadth of forming the group to groups themselves, like how they wanted to be formed. But there were certain rules and regulations that he suggested as a safety net for the dream. The one that he's really known for is, if it were my dream, and prefacing all of our comments when we reflect back to the dreamer on their dreams. Say, for people that don't understand that, I may be in a dream group with you and some other people, and I share my dream with the group. And then we open it up basically for reflection on the dream. And the people in the group respond from their own experience. And they really have to understand that I'm not telling Justina what her dream means, but I'm responding from the place that 
if I had had this dream, like for you, Amina, if you had had this dream, then that this is what it would have meant for you. And so we say, if this were my dream, and I encourage my students to say as my dream, because sometimes it's really hard for people to really believe it's their dream. They still are projecting on the other person. They say, if it were my dream, I think you have a problem with your family. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, you you aren't going to tell <laughs> that person that they, but do you, you want to reflect on, on your relationship with your family? Does it bring up something for your family? Montague Allman created a sort of tight process for dream group work. I tend to loosen up on that process and make it a little shorter than his original thing. So in my book, I have a condensed the dream synergy method of the almond method, a little bit simpler process, but it's the same idea of sharing the dream, reflecting on the dream, having the dreamer listen to the reflections, having the dreamer reflect back how they're feeling about what people are saying, and then coming to meaning and connecting it, that meaning to their waking life and, and trying to see how they can make changes in their life. So I'm glad you brought him up. A lot of people don't know, and, and he really laid the foundation for this dream group work. Yeah, definitely. I use the if it were my dream concept all the time. And I've noticed the difference when people use that language versus saying, oh, well, maybe your dream means this. It's it's totally different and it's received completely different. So, yeah, it's quite important. Yes. Good for you. So what do you think are the benefits of sharing your dreams with other people? I'll speak for me. It has changed Really, I want to say everything about my life, but um, the subtitle of my Wake Up to Your Dreams book is Transform Your Relationships, Career, and Health While You Sleep. And that's what I see when I look at all the thousands of people I've worked with. Relationships is just such a great tool for seeing ourselves and the parts of ourselves and other people, and seeing the relationship between people in relationships. And this is whether in a romantic relationship, a family relationship, a friend relationship, a work relationship, it has given me, and I see that it's given other people, way to see ourselves and take responsibility for our own actions and our own thoughts in a way that I've never seen it happen with other ways of therapy. It's so clear in the dream to see that. And in career, how many times it has helped clients make major career decisions and really move toward their dreams and their desires instead of just following what the path that was laid out for them that their parents wanted for them, or they just went an easy route um, because what they really wanted to do was they thought was too difficult and impossible. And the dream has been such a support for that. And it, it really encourages them, supports them, gives them information, ideas for transforming that career path. And then the health for myself is 
It's been so powerful because I have autoimmune disease like lupus, and it has been so informative, even for the doctors. They can't believe how it will give us information that otherwise we have not had. And I have so many instances of people that lives have been saved because something came up in a dream. Like I was just thinking today about a colleague in Alaska who had told me had a dream of a plane and it was flying and it was even a four-cylinder plane and it started leaking oil and then it started smoking and it crashed and burned flames. And he said the minute that he woke up from that dream, he thought something's wrong with my heart. There was nothing that any indication otherwise, but, you know, it's that felt sense. So he went for checkups and stuff and nothing showed up. And weeks later, he was walking along, started sweating and feeling really weird. And he went to the emergency room and he had 90% blockage of his heart that had failed to, for some reason, to show up on the test and avoided a major heart attack with paying attention and being ready for that kind of thing. But, you know, there's so many stories of cancer and things like that, that the medical tests were not showing. And the dream kept that recurring dream of coming back until the person actually paid attention. So in all these areas and many more, as you know, you can speak to all of this that I'm speaking to. It makes a big difference in life. Yeah, definitely. Dreams are incredible. I've also heard some interesting stories and even for myself, how my dreams have guided me through life. The health dreams are so fascinating to me. How do you think that our subconscious or our dreams know things that our conscious mind doesn't? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's something I dealt with for so long. And Having been more of an analytical, you know, raised in this analytical family, I had to, you know, the encyclopedia at that time and dictionary and all that stuff and books and look it up. And we got, that's where we got our answers, you know, all of that kind of thing and not from within. I mean, that was just not respected at all that I could know. So at conferences and different workshops I go to, I would just, be the doubting one. Like, how can this be? That's impossible that I could know before the medical community could know. And then one day I was at a workshop and I remember so well, I woke up to the sound of a bird chirping right outside my window. And I thought, you know, I have such respect for birds and their innate ability to do things without any training or textbooks. And I lay there in bed and I was like, why do we as human beings believe that birds and animals know and can live their lives out of this inner wisdom, but yet we as human beings don't believe we can do that? And I thought, why would a bird or a dog or something, have something that we as human beings don't have? Why would we not be created with that? And so that was the opening for me. It took me to looking at what I did believe to see why maybe I wanted to change my mind. And then I thought about the body as I kept having dreams that were helpful and stuff. And I thought the body is created 
to stay in tune and be in balance. One thing goes this way. I mean, we normally, our body wants to heal. It wants to be healthy. And it compensates for all of these things all the time. So why wouldn't my body know before a medical test could see it? It totally knows it's out of balance. Something's wrong here. And it gives us that through symbolic and metaphorical language. It gives us that through our unconscious and our dreams, bringing it to consciousness. Yeah, that makes complete sense, you know, and I think it's just about being able to be in tune with your dreams to be able to understand the messages and open up to the feeling of what the dream could be telling you. Yes. I can't wait for some of your listeners to start paying attention. It's an amazing thing when you do, and most people go through their whole life never having paid attention to their dreams. And my mother was one, never remembering her dreams. And she was 90. And before she remembered her first dream, and it was after she'd come to a lecture that I was doing. And then she went home and because she had tuned that in, you know, her mind and opened up to the dream that a dream came to her. And she was so excited. And it was actually the first recall of a dream. 90 years. And then she started writing her dreams down and paying attention. Yes, I've really thought about it a lot through the years because I've worked with so many people that some remember their dreams easily. They remember their childhood dreams. They've just had this dream experience and rich dream life throughout their life Um, and lucid dreams and things like that. It all just comes so naturally to them. And then there are people that really want to, and the dreams, it's really hard to touch in. But what I find is that the main ingredient for remembering is intention of wanting, really wanting. And then we have this motto that I created for Dream Synergy, and it's dreams plus action equals change. And so, you know, we're all getting the dreams, five to six dreams a night. But unless we take action to remember and to write down and to process those dreams, we don't change. We have to do that. And, you know, when people say, oh, I really want to remember my dreams. I heard you talk a while ago and I've been trying to remember my dreams. And I said, how are you trying? Like, what are you doing? And they said, well, I've just been hoping that. And I said, are you, have you taken any real steps to remembering? Like, are you putting paper and pencil by your bed so you can capture the dreams? No, I'm not doing that. Or, you know, using a phone, the audio version, you know, just to record the dreams in the night. And I asked them all these tips that I had given them. And they were like, no, I really haven't done that yet. And I think we'll commit to trying one or two things and then see what happens then. Like people give up real quickly. I spoke to a retirement home recently and somebody came up to me afterwards and said, oh, I'm so disappointed. I did what you said and I put my paper and pencil. I asked, an incubated a question, wrote it down. I put it under my pillow and they said, I even put your book under my pillow and I didn't remember a dream. And I said, so how many nights was that? And she was like, oh, just last night after your lecture. And I said, well, so how many years have you not done that? 
And she started laughing. And I said, give it a chance. You know, like, we want it now. Like, I'm ready for that dream. And sometimes it occurs. And sometimes it takes some space and time to really believe that we are interested. But if we have the intention, we take the action of really being ready to capture the dream in the night. I don't know about you, Amina, but I really have to write my dream down in the night generally, or I do not remember the details. And I don't turn on the light. I just reach for the paper and pencil and just in the dark, make some notes and then enough to tap into that in the morning and then fill in the details in the morning. But there are all kinds of things that we can do of taking time when we first wake up. Like I I go through a list of familiar dream themes for me and I go, oh, was it about my husband maybe? Or was I at the beach in my dream? And then I'll just keep asking these questions and open up to thinking about who was it about? And then I was like, oh, last night I had a dream about Carol. And then all of a sudden I start pulling the dream in. But it takes intention and time. Yeah, it takes a lot of commitment. I noticed that people want instant results, which can be frustrating as a dream coach sometimes. People want instant results. They're like, I tried this for a few days or even a few weeks. And I'm like, it's a lifelong journey. My process is, you know, I've spent years like honing it in and figuring out what works for me. I write down my dreams every day that I can remember them. And I love doing that. You know, I fell in love with that process. And I kind of do what you do. I don't even turn the lights on or anything. I used to use this like pen. It has a light on it where you click it and then you can see better. But now I use a voice activated recorder on my phone. So I just start talking and I don't even have to roll over. And then the second part of my process is going back and listening to the recordings and then writing it out in my dream journal from there. The neat thing about a recording is that you hear the inflection of your voice and sometimes it really gives you so many clues of that emotional quality of the dream in listening to you telling the dream. Now there's so many apps that you can use, you know, that are created that you record it on the phone and then it gives you all the questions afterwards and things like that. So it's really easy for, especially for your generation of using the dream recording apps. I really encourage people to try that. Yeah, the one I use is not even designed for dreams specifically. It's like just a sleep recorder and I turn it on before I go to sleep and it picks up like snoring and sleep talking. Yeah, but I use it for dreams. I'm sure people do. I recommend it to people all the time. But then I listen to it. I take that and then I go to another app and then put it in the dream journal app. So it's a process, but it's a process that works for me. And I encourage people to do what works for them. But I am so determined to get as much detail as possible from every dream that the voice recorder is a necessity for that for me. Right. It's it's very good. The details work, but I don't want people to get caught up in that. Like mm. after this talk this past week, some people were like, oh, I only got one word. I was like, great. Yeah. A word. I was like, do you want to work with it? Because like the other night I wrote down eight pages in the night and it was such a long, I was like, oh, I could write a novel on this, a fiction a mystery novel. And um, I sometimes am a little bit jealous of people that have shorter, more succinct. And, you know, those one words, I have learned a lot for myself. Very, very short, one sentence. 
And I'm like, oh my goodness, that is so perfect. We could give an example. I I had been having some health problems a couple of years ago, and I really had, you know, tried to figure out with doctors what was going on. And we had not had a lot of success to see exactly what was going on. And so I had been incubating a dream. And one night I woke up with a Start. My question that I wrote on my pad is finally, I'd re- written different questions this particular night. I wrote, what is it that I don't know about my health? And so I woke up. I was feeling very anxious when I woke up, very scared. And there was a voice that said in a very patriarchal kind of police type voice. And it said, here's something you don't know. You are under arrest. And with that, I imagined that he was going to put handcuffs on me and just take me in. And my thoughts as I woke up, and I was really, my heart was beating. It was so frightening because I didn't know what I'd done. And all of a sudden, they were going to arrest me. And I wrote that on my dream pad, and I'm so glad I did because that was so important the way he said it. You are under arrest. The next day when I wrote that out, I just started smiling. I was like, listen to that. You are under an arrest. And it was like, you are under quarantine. You are under a rest. And I knew I needed more rest. You know, there was too much stress going on in my life, but I just hadn't been able to really take it seriously enough. I thought I can keep going. I can do doing. But there's something about the dream voice. And I know that you've had this experience that it is such a truth. I mean, everybody had told me that. I told myself that. You just need to rest some. But this dream voice was was the authority. And I believed it. And that next morning when I realized what that was, I got my calendar out and I started canceling things and commitments. And I just started putting myself as a priority. But it took that one voice to make me stop. Yeah, I love that you got a clear answer. And then what's important too that stands out to me is that you got the answer and you took action on it. Yes. So why is it important that we find something, no matter how big or small, to honor the dream and take action? Well, the dream, I think it's such a living entity. And, you know, I say you can't fool your unconscious. If you say you're interested, oh, I want to make changes and stuff, but it's that action And that's why dreams plus action equals change that makes the difference. And when I take time to write it down, I take time to reflect on it. I take time to take an action step. My dreams reward me. It's like, wow, she really cares about me. And, you know, I see it it really as as a real thing, which it, it is because it's always changing and growing and morphing to be exactly what we need at the time. It's just big. So going back to the workshops a little bit, what are some things that makes a good dream work leader? I think the key thing is, again, commitment. I, when I started leading the dream group at the church, I knew nothing about dreams other than being in that dream group. And yeah, just for a few months and really being introduced for the first time to dreams within three months. 
And I didn't want the dream group to end, and there wasn't anybody to lead it. And I said, I'll be the organizer, you know, and I will commit to being here every Tuesday morning or whatever. Now, it was a very small group of four people. So sometimes I was the only one there, but I stayed and I committed to that time and I brought my dream journal. And if I was the only one there, I sat there and worked with my dreams and people knew that I was going to be there. They usually were there, but, you know, I remember one or two times, but it was that commitment. I'm going to be here and I'm going to keep the dream process going. I have no idea what your dreams mean. I do not have the training. I do not have the experience. I don't know a lot about symbolism. I had majored in art and education, a double major, and it never thinking about that my career was going to be in dreams. But actually, art is a visual you know, thing, and dreams are so visual. So it wasn't a bad thing. And I'm an educator in the field of dreams. So all of that worked out. But As far as psychology, I think I took one course in college in psychology, but that was not my field. But I just, I knew I could lead as far as an organization facilitator. I could be there. I could let people know when the meeting was and things like that. And I could keep us on track. I knew that how important it was to create that almond safety that we talked about in the dream group. And so we did that and we helped each other and we learned. And I did that for that year, probably. And then I had enough confidence to lead a dream group with friends. And then I went to a conference and the person that was leading the conference knew that I was interested in dreams. It wasn't a conference on dreams. It was self-development and things and asked me if I would lead a dream group. And I mean, you wouldn't believe it now that I could be as frightened as I was then. I was like, oh, I'm totally going to be found out. I don't know all the symbols. I don't know the mythology. I don't know. I don't know all these things that great dream group leaders and people, Jung and Freud and people knew. And um, I did it, but I did it very frightened. And I just facilitated the group. And what I learned in that, and I tell my students now, is that I didn't need to know anything in group work. And this is what makes group work so powerful, is that if we share from our hearts what it means to us and from our experience, that it gives the dreamer new information to work from. It's just ideas about, wow, I feel like that too. Or no, I don't feel like that. That is not my problem. You know, and so even in knowing what's not true for me helps me know what is true for me. So that was, people thought I did a great job. And afterwards I was like, I did not offer one bit of information. Now it's helpful if you do have the training and you can help people like you where you can help and you've studied the symbolism and you can make suggestions and have exercises that you can do to help uncover the dream. But it's it's not the most important thing. Yeah, I love that you said that. I think myself included, I think a lot of people needed to hear that. Um, We all have a little bit of imposter syndrome where we're like, oh, we're not good enough. Do I know enough to be doing this? And even me, you know, I've been 
in dream work for a while now and doing these things and dreaming my whole life. And I still feel sometimes like, do I know enough? Am I qualified to do this? Do I need, you know, to go to school or to get certifications and all these things help? Good for you because it's true what, yeah. what you just said. What workshops and things do you have going on that you want to share with oh, people? Oh, thank you. I do want to share one that's coming up real soon on March the 2nd. And just once or twice a year, I lead an online look at Dream Synergy is what we call our process that we use. It's very eclectic, everything that I've ever learned about dreams and brought together in a very easy process for uncovering meaning your dreams. So I introduce this process through videos and questions, answers, sharing dreams. And it's three weeks online. And people that sign up for this course, and it's called Finding Meaning and guidance in your dreams. They can ask questions of me every day. I touch in every day to answer their questions about their dreams or any question about dreams that they have. And then other people taking the course share their reflections, just like a dream group. We create a safe container for working on dreams. And people that do it love it because it's a deep dive into dreams without a huge commitment of time and money. So it's great if anybody's either starting to work with their dreams or they've been working. You know, I have people that have worked with dreams their entire lives and lead dream groups and they do it. And there's so much to learn there. That's the greatest complaint I get about the courses. There's too much information, but you actually have access to the videos for a couple of weeks after that three weeks. So you can go back and watch those. But I'm there for three weeks seven days a week, not 24 hours a day, but I will touch in once or twice during the day and answer people's questions. If people are interested in that, you can go to my website, dreamsynergy.com. It's D-R-E-A-M-S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y.com and go to events and there's a listing there for it or go to our Facebook page at Dream Synergy or Institute for Dream Studies. We also have a web page that's more focused on certification and education, instituteforddreamstudies.org. They can go there and get information. But I hope people will join us and maybe you'll join us too, Amina. It's it's usually a great group of people who are very interested in delving into their unconscious and making positive change in their lives. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'll definitely check out the registration and I'll include all the links in the description so people can find it easily. May I mention, did we talk about the certification? I think at the beginning, we talked a little about the cert. Yes. Mm -hmm. But if people are interested in that certification course, it too, you know, you can go to the same websites and get information on the certification. It'll be another year before another class begins, but it's not too early to start thinking about it. I so much appreciate what you're doing, Amina, and getting the word out to people with your podcast and just your enthusiasm and ability to dive into dreams with people and be the dream coach and all the things that you're doing. Thank you as well. You've been a huge inspiration to me through the process. And yeah, do you have any like closing thoughts, anything on your heart that you want to share? 
wake up to your dreams. If if people are interested in doing this and can't take the workshop and can't, you know, join a dream group or something, wake up to your dreams. I really, it was a heartfelt thing for helping meet the needs of people that said, I don't have time to do the other things. I don't have time to join mm-hmm. anything else, but I am interested. And I wanted to make it, the dream work is simple and clear and process oriented to get into the emotional quality and the really that ability to feel and understand, which I think is so important in the dream. And that's what I try to convey in the book through my story and my work and other people's stories in the dream. But I think reading other people's stories about their dreams and how it has impacted their life in the book is life-changing in itself. And it just opens up something that is so rich and deep and true for all of us. My dream is that people around the world start paying closer attention to their dreams. And I think we in the United States are lagging behind in that because other cultures do, many other cultures do pay more attention. I think we would have such a kinder and more gentle world and an understanding and acceptance of people different than each one of us. And that's what I see, the healing quality of the dream. And I think that's why I continue to work in the field, even though I keep saying I'm going to completely retire. It's just got such potential for changing the world and our culture. 